This is a CBC Podcast. Hi there, it's Pia, and every Wednesday, we're bringing you a bonus podcast. One handpicked story from the week's round of the Sunday magazine that we think is definitely worth hearing or hearing again. Of course, you can hear all of our stories on the full podcast that we put out on Sunday and on the CBC Listen app. All right, here's this week's highlight. Next month will mark two years since Russia's war in Ukraine began. Much attention has been fixed on the battlefield and also on the human cost of this war. But its ripple effects are also being felt inside Russia, where crackdowns on dissent against the war have surged. CBC producer Julia Poggle has been following the story of one woman in St. Petersburg, Russia, whose small act of protest has been met with some big consequences. Here's Julia with our Sunday documentary, Sasha's message. It's about one month after Russia invaded Ukraine, March 30th, 2022. And Sasha Skochelenko walks into a small grocery store in her hometown of St. Petersburg, Russia. Sasha's in a puffy winter coat and a woolen hat with this fox face knit on the top. When she was passing through that supermarket. She was with a guitar. I, I believe she was going someplace to play music. This is Alex. Uh, my name is Alex Belazorov. I am a longtime friend of Sasha. Sasha's an artist, writer, and musician. Alex says Sasha isn't normally an activist, but this war is moving her to act, which is why when she walks into the store, she doesn't just buy groceries. I believe it went just like she turned her hand in the pocket to get out her money or something like that. And she remembered that she has those price tags and she just put them. Price tags, small stickers, where she had printed anti-war messages. Messages like... Russian army bombed an art school in Mariupol. There were 400 people hiding inside. Referring to Ukraine's report during the 2022 siege on the city. And conscripts are being sent to fight in Ukraine. We pay for this war with the lives of our children. Sasha stuck the labels onto shelves in the grocery store. She just put them right there and right then and forgot about them completely. I'm almost sure about that. But these little stickers would not be forgotten. A woman at the store that day reported Sasha to the police. And with the store's surveillance footage, the police tracked her down. The woman who reported Sasha later told police, I was extremely outraged by the slander I read, because I'm very worried about the Russian soldiers in Ukraine. I watch all the news about it. She said that made it obvious that Sasha's information was false. On April 11th, about two weeks after she placed the tags in the grocery store, Sasha was arrested and taken to a detention center, charged with what Russian authorities classified as spreading deliberately false information about the Russian army. And here's where the fight for Sasha's freedom begins. A fight waged by Sasha, but also friends, 
family and strangers, people willing to stand up for her as their country shapeshifts around them. Open letter, April 16th, five days in detention. Not long after her detention, Sasha started writing letters, sent through her lawyers, as she wasn't allowed visitors. A day of freedom that I spent in the company of the detectives and investigators was more horrible than all the days I have spent in jail. They said disgusting things to me, mocked, humiliated, and bullied me. I heard obscene comments about my appearance, my way of living, my friends, and the place where I live. Whatever the prosecutors tried to do to me, however they attempt to drag me through the mud, humiliate me, put me in the most inhumane conditions, I will only take the brightest, the most incredible and beautiful things from this experience. That is what the essence of being an artist is. What is happening to me is a living document of our era. It's fall 2022, about five months after Sasha's arrest. Alex, Sasha's longtime friend, is in his apartment in St. Petersburg. It's now still an okay time to talk? Sounds like it. Yeah, it's uh, like 9 p.m. here. His hair's dyed pink, but it's fading. His face is slim. High school, when we got acquainted, she, she was playing music already. She had a band. And uh, so the first thing I had to do when, when we met, like, I had to attend the concert somewhere in the woods, I, I believe. In the woods? So that, that, yeah, in the woods. Oh, wow. Since Sasha's arrest in April, Alex has dedicated huge amounts of his time to support her. Her crime? The crime of which she's accused? The law uh, keeping and... Sasha in detention is a new one. It was put in place just a week after Russia's assault on Ukraine started. Article 207.3 makes illegal the spreading of deliberately false information about the use of the armed forces of the Russian Federation. It's punishable by fines and prison sentences of up to 15 years. Right now, Sasha's lawyers are trying to get her approved for house arrest while she awaits her trial. So far, no luck. Conditions at the detention center are not good. And you cellmate was moved to her cell and... Uh, From talking with her lawyer and the letters she's sending, Alex learned Sasha's cellmate is sick and can't go outside. So both women are being denied their daily walks. But what's uh, more important, uh, I guess we still don't know why Sasha's having pain in, in her chest. We... And Alex says the doctors at the center aren't taking those chest pains seriously. Sasha also has celiac disease. And Alex says the food at the prison is making her sick. So a lot of the time, she just doesn't eat. Because she always has to balance her hunger and her anxiety about eating something that is poisonous to her. Alex and others drop off safe food for her with the wardens as much as possible. Alex can't visit Sasha since he's been made a witness in the case. There are the few seconds they get to see each other as Sasha passes through the hallway to the courtroom for one of her many pre-trial hearings. We see Sasha led down the hallway. She's in a bright tie-dyed shirt with a heart on it, her arms held by two guards. She smiles at her friends and some supporters. 
a burst of connection. Then Sasha's led into the courtroom, followed by a few people, and the doors are closed. And after those meetings, she always writes like, guys, you look awful, you have to rest immediately. Stop everything you're doing. I don't know, go camping and do something good for you. Like, that's always her reaction. September 13th, 2022. Birthday letter. On my birthday, I usually remember the most incredible experiences of my life. Each year, their number grows. Even though this year I am celebrating my birthday behind bars, I still decided to remember the biggest and most tremendous things that have happened to me over 32 years. 1. Twice, I learned to walk again after two hip fractures that happened within a few months. 2. I managed to go into remission during treatment of my bipolar affective disorder. 3. A book about depression. A comic book I drew for my friends almost accidentally in order to explain my state. 7. Met the love of my life and spent almost six years with her. It's been difficult, but we are still deeply in love and find support and strength in each other. We dream of getting married when I get out. And we met each other online. Sonia Sobotina, Sasha's girlfriend, looks drained, her straight hair framing her almost expressionless face. But a smile peeks into the corners of her mouth when I start asking about the early days of her and Sasha's relationship. I talk with Sonia through an interpreter. Uh, we met online. I really liked Sasha's profile picture, and for a while we were just texting and then decided to meet up in real life. And that's how it started. And we fell in love really quickly and uh, the relationship started um, like very quickly, yeah. Life for those in the LGBTQ community in Russia is really hard. Same-sex unions aren't permitted in Russia. It's illegal to share what Russia calls gay propaganda, Basically, any information that says being gay is normal. And in November of 2023, a new law passed calling international LGBTQ organizations extremists. But Sonia and Sasha don't hide their relationship. When Sonia got the call that Sasha was in detention... Yes, so there was really no stage of denial in my case. I instantly felt really emotional and... Uh, It's really hard to describe these emotions in words. I would not wish this upon anyone. Um, But yeah, in short, I felt terrible. I cried a lot. And uh, yeah, it's just really, really hard. The next day is another pre-trial hearing. And as always, Sonia will be there. I feel nervous, uh, like I always feel before court hearings. I'm, of course, really happy that I will have a chance to see Sasha because this is our only opportunity to really see each other. Sasha's birthday letter. Six. I graduated from St. Petersburg State University, summa cum laude. 
I got into the university Number eight. I spent a night in a deep forest. I chose the spot from satellite pictures and made my way there basically from memory. Because at that point in life, I did not own a smartphone. I put up a tent on my own on the bank of a wild forest river. It was really scary at night. But at sunrise, I felt infinite peace and calm, as if the whole forest were my home. A lot of time passed since we were together somewhere in the green. But after Sasha was detained, I, like, I guess as a means of some psychological relief, I went out camping several times with Sonia, uh, for example, and that was quite good. The forgotten feeling. I believe when Sasha is free at last year, hope we are going for a long trip somewhere. Like, I have no plans uh, further than several days right now. That's uh, just pointless talk to talk about that. It's October 2022, about a month after Alex and I first spoke. Six months since Sasha was detained. Today, Alex looks exhausted. He often holds his face in his hand, drifting off camera. Since he and I last spoke, Putin has imposed the draft forcing Russians to fight in Ukraine. Many people are fleeing the country. I stopped using subway because that's the place where they usually try and uh, conscribe you. Alex is 35 and could be conscripted at any moment. With this risk, I ask if he's considering leaving the country while he still can. I, I mean, I can do it physically. Maybe, maybe, maybe not right now. Maybe the time is gone for that. As well, I don't know, uh, but I just can't. I won't be able to live with that if I live right now. Now, just uh, every day is like a roulette wheel, like a Russian roulette, maybe. <laughs> it's a lot of stress you're living with. I, I think I'm. I've actually uh, maxed out my stress level, so I don't feel worse. When they started mobilizing people, I felt nothing, really. Alex's main focus is still his friend. He tells me how Sasha has a new cellmate and that her walks outside have resumed. They still don't know why she's having these chest pains. And they continue to fight to get her on house arrest, to no avail. But uh, most recent developments are that the main hearing is going to start soon. Ah, actually, that's a new development as well. We have now access to Sasha's case in full, gathered in five volumes. Just give me a minute, I'll try and open Sasha's case. There's a lot of relevant stuff there, like some missing documents for the supermarket that Sasha was in, the instructions for the staff of that supermarket, how to operate the automatic doors, like the picture of her hat. Yes, because it so very distinctive one. The police also managed to open Sasha's phone and accessed text messages Sasha was exchanging with a friend in Ukraine. Who was messaging her from Kiev subway that was used as a bomb shelter early in the war. And she was hiding there with the kids and she was messaging Sasha, how could your country do that? Can you do something to stop it? These texts will also help form Sasha's case the law she's charged with, again, is spreading deliberately false information. 
Her lawyers will argue that when Sasha placed those price tags in the grocery store, she wasn't deliberately spreading false information, but sharing what she believed was true. Her lawyer, Yana, told me she wouldn't be contesting the law itself. She said judges and prosecutors say the law is a law, so there's no point in arguing its validity, or humanity, as Yana puts it. She says that argument might be something to take to the constitutional courts down the road. Trying to stand my ground. I ask Alex how he finds the energy to keep going. The main reason is just because Sasha's family. Not by blood, but their bond is now unbreakable. I have no choice. Sonia has no choice. The trial begins on December 15th, 2022. Sasha pleads not guilty. As the year goes on, more and more people are arrested under the same law. The numbers include young, old, those who posted online in chat groups with friends, and those who are peacefully protesting in the streets. Persecute any human rights defender. This is Dimitri. My name is Dmitry Anisimov. I work as a spokesperson for Ovodin 4, which is a human rights media project focused on uh, political repression in Russia. He fled Russia after the war because he feared his work could land him in jail or find himself conscripted. He's now working from Istanbul. Since 2012, Dmitry's organization has been tracking political repression in Russia. And since the war with Ukraine, that repression has skyrocketed. We know that 19,890 people were detained for their anti-war stance in uh, Pickets in protest rallies or for anti-war publications in their social networks pages since the start of the full-scale invasion. That's almost 20,000 people detained. Almost three times as many as in 2012, the previous high, when around 7,000 people were detained for taking to the streets, demanding political reform. Another change is what's happening to those who speak out. Before the full-scale invasion, you would be fined or you would be arrested for some time, maybe 10 or 15 days, or in some cases, uh, you might be arrested for 30 days. And that was the toughest like sanction for uh, speaking out. Now, people who are critical of the government, people like Sasha, aren't just being fined. More and more, they're being criminally charged. According to Dimitri's organization, there are 810 defendants in criminal cases related to their anti-war stance. 297 of those are charged with the same crime as Sasha. Dimitri's organization has found at least 171 people have been convicted and are serving lengthy sentences. Taking a walk. The open air space that I have now, together with my cellmate, feels like a paradise to me. It is a concrete box that has bars covered with barbed wire for a ceiling. The space is approximately 3 by 5 meters in size. Three dandelions pierce out through the crumbling concrete floor. I am very fond of them, and I watch them grow little by little each day. These are the only plants I see during my open air time. I usually run around the yard, dance, sing, exercise, and recite my poems. The walking amounts to slowly moving around in circles in the same direction, 
one after another. You can also linger in a corner, turning your face to the sun. That's about it. The trial drags on. Winter turns to spring. Summer. In September, Sasha has her second birthday in detention. Then, in October of 2023, Sasha's case begins picking up speed. George, she picked up the pace. She's in court almost every day. We are just racing to the end. Alex says the nonstop pace is hard on Sasha. She can't eat the food they provide while at court. So it becomes like a torture for Sasha. But with the trial speeding up, a verdict could come soon. I ask Alex if he's dreaming of her being set free. No, we are not dreaming about that. No, no. They might uh, let her go. Tiny possibility of that. But personally, I cannot hope for that because uh, that hope will eat me from the inside. It's November 16th, 2023. And another day in court is about to get underway. As Alex arrives, when he sees the guards... He knows today is the day the verdict will be passed. The guards are dressed differently than usual, wearing helmets and bulletproof vests. Alex shares a live stream of the event on YouTube. The video shows the hallway outside the courtroom, 20 to 30 people milling around, waiting for Sasha. Sonia's in a green sweatshirt standing next to the guards, looking at their protective gear. She laughs. We see a glimpse of Sasha as she heads into the courtroom in her signature tie-dyed t-shirt with the heart, hands cuffed behind her back. A smile on her face as the crowd cheers, guards surrounding her. Today, Sasha is permitted to give her last word, a speech she calls Yes Life. She addresses the court and judge. Yes, I am a pacifist. I believe that life is sacred. Oh, yes, life. She is strong. It breaks through the asphalt. It destroys stones. It will turn from a tiny sprout into a gigantic baobab tree, from a microscopic cell into a giant veil. Human life is fleeting. Human life is insignificant. And all we can do is just prolong this short moment of bliss. There was a two-hour break and I just tried to like blank my mind yeah, when we were invited back to the room, uh, the, Sasha's cage was surrounded by uh, those bailiffs. When Alex talks about Sasha's cage, he really means a cage. It's a small prison cell inside the courtroom, complete with metal bars. The room is packed. There's lots of press. So I didn't see the judge. I could barely hear her, but I saw Sasha well because I was standing right right next to her cage. And uh, Sonia managed to enter early, so she was close. Everyone is on their feet. 
Sasha is looking expectantly towards the judge. She's rhythmically touching each finger to her thumb. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Her body gently rocking back and forth. And then... Like she said, like, it's seven years? Sasha is sentenced to seven years in prison. She opened her mouth in surprise, in awe. She makes a heart with her fingers, smiles at the crowd. And that's it. Immediately, everybody started shouting. Shame, shame on you. Shame on you. Sonia, she begged uh, the police to let her touch Sasha's hand or something, but they they grabbed her and uh, tried to just drag her out of the room. She started shouting, and uh, Sasha saw that, and she cried. And all those pictures of Sasha's crying, it's not about the verdict. She When uh, she heard the verdict, she laughed. But when she saw what is happening to Sonia, she just couldn't hold her tears, you know. She wanted to deliver a message. That wasn't her plan when she put that small uh, stickers. She wasn't up to it, she didn't expect it, but when she found herself in that place, she understood that now it's time for her to deliver a message. Alex says Sasha believes that love and peace can prevail over war and hatred. Through her actions, the way she's conducted herself over the past two years, she wanted to show that possibility. They're going to appeal the verdict, but at best, Alex thinks maybe a year could be taken off her sentence. Even though I am the one in the cage, perhaps I am much freer than you. I have no enemies. I am not afraid to remain poor. I am not afraid to lose the roof over my head. I am not afraid to seem strange, vulnerable, weak, funny. I am not afraid to be different from others. Perhaps this is why my state is so afraid of me and others like me, since it keeps me in a cage like a most dangerous animal. That documentary was produced by Julia Poggle from CBC's Audio Documentary Unit with help from AC Rowe, Olsi Sorokina and Sasha Luna. You can read more about Sasha Skochilenko's story and see her drawings that she's made depicting her time in detention by going to our website, which is cbc.ca slash Sunday. You can find all the stories we bring you each week on The Sunday Magazine over on our website, cbc.ca slash Sunday. I'm Pia Chattopadhyay. Thank you for lending us your ear, and we'll talk to you again on Sunday.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.